0: You're listening to another This Is Your Podcast production. Hey everybody, Brian Dunstan, joined once again by my man, Keith Reedon, for episode 27 of the Puck and Who podcast. And right off the hop, Keith, we've got two major off-the-field to of play issues. One from the world of puck and one from the world of hoop. I think we should start with because it's closer to home. And hey, I'm a Leafs fan. Let's start with what's going on or not going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs front office machinations. Um, Kyle Dubas is out. Brendan Shanahan made that decision, and this action, and it looks like the Maple Leafs have reached a critical juncture in their team history because right now. Things are in a state of flux. No GM, a coach who's twisting in the wind, uh, the assistant GM or the special assistant to the GM has resigned. Without out, very many answers and a lot of things to dissect about just what the Maple Leafs are going to do in terms of who's going to be the steward for their ship going forward. And the fact that Kyle Dubas is now out as a general manager may have come to a surprise to a lot of people, but for my money, Keith, I'm not. A- where do you stand on this?
1: Well, I'm surprised you're not surprised because uh, I, I thought that the Leafs and were going to stand pat on Dubas. I thought they were more likely to get rid of Sheldon Keith, And I tell you why, because I figured with the, all the contracts and coming due, all of the no move, all of the moves you've got to make before these no movement and no trade clauses in contracts are exercised or on July 1st, I figured that the Leafs would keep their current GM because, uh, you know, that's a lot of negotiation. One is going to have to step in and do. And I figured mm-hmm. who better to do that than Kyle Dubas. So yeah, I'm a bit surprised that they uh, got rid of him, you know, uh, at this time, I guess, what was that like May 17th, May 16th when they...
0: I can tell you why I'm not surprised on a couple of levels. One, um, just the fact that on what brendan shanahan had to say because initially i was thinking yeah dubis is going to be back it's just a matter of figuring out the p's and q's and dotting your i's and crossing your t's but what brendan shanahan made sense to me if you are looking at someone to lead your team beyond where they've been in the past for the last not getting to the ultimate goal of winning the stanley cup you want someone Who's going to continue to build on what they've established so far? They are a team that is a perennial playoff performer, which makes you a Stanley Cup contender. I don't care what level you're at, but if you're in the playoffs, you are a contender, as the Florida Panthers are right now. But the fact remains this: they were gonna change direction. Now, did you want the general manager who built it towards this point to continue to build it, even though they're gonna take a different path, as Kyle Dubas said? Yes. But you have to have commitment. And when Kyle Dubas uh, in his conference showed some wavering in that commitment to the Maple Leafs, I think that planted a seed of doubt with Brendan Shanahan, who was ready to re sign Dubas to a new contract. But when you hear someone is not committed, and this is a hard market to work in, we all understand that. The pressures in the Toronto market, any other market, because of the weight of the 56-year drought of a Stanley Cup championship because of the weight of the focus of the media and the huge fan pressure here. Being a general manager, the leader of the team, the person who sets the tone, that comes with a huge amount of weight, and you're a visible person. So you're getting... I get that. And if you're not completely committed to this job, that weight can wear you down. And that seems to have been the situation with Kyle Dubas. And once Brendan Shanahan heard that, that doubt, that lack of commitment, he, I don't think he really had any other choice. Someone described Brendan Shanahan as sounding wounded, and I'm sure he was, because he's the one who pretty much gave birth to uh, Kyle Dubas as a general manager in the NHL, plucked him out of relative obscurity in the Sioux, and put him in a position to shoot up the ranks in the Maple Leaf organization. He built this guy, and saw him grow an the <laughs> NHL GM. But when he hears that seed of doubt, that waver in the voice, that lack of ultimate commitment... Well, as the president and the guy who was at the head of the organization, so to speak, for the Maple Leafs, you have to start looking elsewhere. That's obviously what Brendan Shanahan's going to do. The question now becomes, who's the man to fill the job? Because as you said, Keith, there are a lot of pressures out there to get things done very rapidly with free agency, uh, with a massive amount of cap space, uh, with the weight of the loss in the second round and the fact that they want to continue their status as a, not just a playoff contender, but a Stanley Cup contender going forward. How do you go about doing that when you have so many free agents to think about, so many contracts to put together and no GM to actually get this done in a short space of time?
1: You know what? My favorite movie is, anyone who really knows me knows that my favorite movie is The Godfather. One, two, doesn't matter. One of the, seminal lines one that is you know it's in out there in the lexicon and everybody knows that a lot of people don't know where it comes from is this is just business it's not personal it's uttered about 10 times over both movies what bothers me about Kyle Dubas firing and you said Brendan Shanahan sounded wounded there's one point where Sonny Corleone the older brother says to uh, Tom about Michael. You said it's just business, Tom, and this man is taking it very, very personally. That's the feeling I got when I saw Brendan Shanahan sitting up there doing this press conference. Hmm. He had done all of his due diligence, Brian, and come to the conclusion he said it on Sunday. He said to Kyle, we're going to resign you. He'd come to all of that conclusion, yep. but because Kyle Tubas went out on a uh, and did his press conference, which Shanahan uh, advised him not to do on Tuesday. Kyle Shanahan then turned around and said, oh, he didn't sound like he had an ultimate commitment. Uh, this is a great job. What It sounded to me that Shanahan, exactly as you're saying, I'm the guy who brought you in here, man. You were like a capologist in the Sioux GM, I brought you mm-hmm. into the Maple Leafs. I into what I believe, even though I'm not a Leafs fan, is the top general manager position in the league. And here you are sounding like, oh, I got to consider my family. And now I'm hearing that, you know, his agent, you know, they wanted more money, they wanted more power. And I get that. Been in the job for five years. You know, if you're going to resign, maybe you do want more power. But this, again, Brian, sounded to me like it was very, very personal. And given what Dubas did at the trade deadline just before, the way he got players, the way he manipulated contracts, other teams to take money so that the Leafs could load up for the playoffs. I mean, I think Brandon Shanahan, um, you know, I think he just took it personally. And I don't think it's business. And I don't know. Now I think you leave the maple leafs kind of in the lurch. As you're saying, you've got all to do. And now you're gonna go and find out. You gotta go and find a guy. And you know, it's time sensitive now. Now you gotta go and find a guy. Names are yeah. being thrown out, right? You know, do you get yep. Brad Tree Living? You know, and the hunters. He says Brendan Shanahan that what came out of his mouth is that experienced. NHL general manager. Now, obviously, the Hunters have Mm -hmm. a world of NHL playing experience. They're probably ultimately dialed into the league. But how are the Hunters, you know, you're throwing out their their names here. You're going to you're going to get another guy or two. And running your organization that are coming from junior hockey, no matter how successful. So for me, nobody knows the business of the Maple Leafs like Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan. And I mean, all the names that I've heard uh, just leaves me worried. And I mean, I think taking a step back when this market of Toronto demands step forwards, steps forward after what happened. And that really that really worries me. And you're, I love that you use the word wounded because that's exactly how Brendan Shanahan looked. And don't get any. Think, Brian. Look, you worked in the media and sports media for a long time. You know, a lot of times when these guys step out in front of the mics, they've this is calculated. A lot of the things he said are, you know, there. It's a bit of a performance. He's not coming out and telling you how he feels and felt. But I do believe he was wounded, and I think he made. He he said it. Uh, I woke up. I went to bed one night. Kyle Dubas was my GM. I woke up in the morning. What he said didn't really sit well with me. So I drove to his office and said, I'm not renewing you. That sounds like a rash decision to me. Gone through all that due diligence and said you are going to sign him. And I don't think that rash decisions are going to work well for the Toronto Maple Leafs if they want to get to the ultimate prize.
0: Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with you, Keith. Except on this fact, Brendan Shanahan, when he he said one thing, I want to put our organization, our team, in a position where we can contend for the Stanley Cup every year. So how do you do that, right? How do you do that? You have continuity throughout your organization. You build layers in your organization that can of pushing your organization, your team, the product on the ice forward. So I think what happens here is that when he made the decision to move away from Kyle Dubas, he knew that the organization was in a place to deal with what's in front of them. You don't make a decision like this Wherewithal to react to it accordingly. We're not privy to what goes on behind the closed doors of the Maple Leaf Organization, especially under the stewardship of Brendan Shanahan, because they have become basically a locked vault when it comes to information leaking out. So I wouldn't, I'm not. Pr- None of these analysts and commentators actually are. They're speculating about the level of dysfunction that's going on in the organization. They don't know. I don't think there's any evidence of dysfunction in this LEAF organization. And I don't think Brendan Shanahan makes a move like this without knowing what step he's or steps he's going to. Now, does it appear from the outside looking in that we're going back to the days of when the LEAF organization was criticized for making moves that were baseless and unfounded and not thought out? I I don't think we're back to that all of a sudden. I don't think you can cast Brendan Shanahan in that light. He has a pretty solid idea of where to go, because you don't make a move like this when you're a person like this who's built so much in the last almost a decade with an organization to take a huge step backwards, which is what this would be if he didn't have a plan. Brendan Shanahan must have a plan. We're just going to see. And like I said, I think the organization has the people, the personnel in position to react to what's necessary. Brendan Pridham is still there. He is the capologist, the contract guru that's been aiding and abetting the moves that Kyle Dubas has made since Kyle Dubas became GM. That's an asset to have in the organization, plus the vast number of people that work in the front office for the Maple Leafs. They already know what they need to do to get ready for the free agency, the upping of contracts, the trades that might have to be done. Where it's going to be interesting is whoever comes in and takes this, to happen really quickly, how they integrate their philosophy with the existing philosophy of the Maple Leaf organization, because I don't think that that's going to change all that much, but there will be a change, there has to be, because anytime you have a general manager, you're not just bringing in the person, his ideas and his philosophy, but it's going to have to mesh with the overall organizational philosophy of what's been built. In the Toronto Maple Leaf system, so that's going to be interesting to see. But I don't have any doubt that what Brendan Shanahan has built here is something that's going to be able to move forward, and be successful at moving forward.
1: Look, I, I think organizations, um, you know, generally can can uh, sustain the loss of, of anyone. We we see we see that right. Yeah. Um, you know, but one of the things that you know, we know this was a move that Shanahan, uh, the way he, I'm just using his words, right? He woke up, got in his car and drove there. So I think it took um, people in the organization by sh- by shock as well. I, it doesn't sound like he was consulting with a lot of people. I'm sure he had to consult, you know, with the people above him. You know, Jason Spezza, as we know, who we always saw him sitting, Mm -hmm. sitting beside Kyle Dubas, like, uh, well, harken back to like the days King Clancy and Harold Ballard up there. Right. (laughs) Um, He he resigned. I I mean, I I don't know what the special assistant role was. You know, obviously loyal to Kyle Dubas resigned, Um, you know, from what I was reading, you know, the other. Uh, assistant, G the assistant GMs, uh, were unsure about what their positions were. Now, I'm sure he's already clarified that, you know, after. Maybe we would have seen some resignations. But when you bring in a GM, you know, say, speculate, you bring in the hunters. And I say the hunters because it's almost a package deal. You bring in one of the hunters. Just saying, he's going to have his own people. Now, all of a sudden, what are you going to have? Six, five I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to work. So I think there's going to be more change in the organization, not less. And I think for me, in an, org- in an organization, the most important thing is always the people on the ice, the people on the court. Who knows these guys inside out? Obviously, Kyle Dubas did. Um, and I think that that's, that could be a problem. I'm hoping that there are no more uh, overnight decisions made. Um, now Brendan Shanahan may have been thinking about this for a month, but I'm just going with what he said, Brian. So.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. We, you know, so we can only take the man at what, at at his word, but I don't think you, yeah, I don't think you run an organization, any organization without looking at the future and having contingency plans for every situation that you can possibly have to and one of the situations that he could have eventually had to deal with was Kyle is either resigning, Kyle is being fired, or Kyle is being rehired. Any one of those situations could have been the outcome here. So now we have the outcome, so he would he's going to have to have a plan for that particular outcome. I, I just don't believe an organization without doing that. So I'm not questioning any of that. There's no reason to, and he's not giving us any... By past performance, he's not given us any reason to believe that he wouldn't have a plan in place. We're just not gonna be privy to it until we actually see it come to fruition. I'm okay with that. That's the way you run your organization. Here's the bottom line for me, Keith. Do you have faith in Brendan Shanahan? And to me, and I'm gonna wear my Leaf fan hat here, and my jersey, and my Leaf fan sweatshirt, and say this. When Brendan Shanahan signed on, I thought he brought with him credibility, stability, and ultimately a voice that needed to be reckoned with throughout the league. I still believe in all those things. And I think going forward, those things are going to come to the fore. And we're going to see the Leafs go in a new direction. Whether they hire the Hunters, Brad Tree Living, a person we don't Elevate Brendan Pritham. I don't think it ultimately matters. What matters is this: there's going to be an integration of thought, an integration of philosophies between what Brendan Shanahan wants this organization, this Maple Leafs team, to be, off the ice and on the ice, and whatever the new general. There's going to be a marriage of sorts because that's the way it has to be to have success, and we do know this there was going to be a dynamic shift for this Leafs team because five years of knocking at the door and not getting it open for you indicates that the path you are currently on the path you need to be on to get to your final destination, and that is winning the Stanley Cup. So whether it's Kyle Dubas or whoever, there's going to be a dramatic shift in where this organization is aiming because right now they're off target. Five years of not winning in the, in the first round. For finally, turn in a less than stellar performance in the second round. Not good enough. The ultimate goal for this franchise is to be a Stanley Cup champion. That is the path they have to get on. So, however that happens, whoever is the general manager, that is the shift that's going to take place for this organization, and it has to integrate to what they currently have as their standard as a Toronto Maple Leaf. The path will change, but the journey remains the same. And the destination remains the same. We just have to get there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But I, I will say now that Brendan Shanahan now um, it has been in the organization for almost a decade. So now that you've gotten rid of Dubas, uh, I think the spotlight is going to be, even if he's not the GM, if the Leafs continue not to get it done, then I think the spotlight is now firmly on him. I think he's been able to dodge a little, uh, you know, what ifs, who should go sort of conversation. But I think after this move, if it doesn't work out uh, next year, that I think he's he might be the, he should be the next guy. Because ultimately, if, he, if the buck stops at him, then he's got to have responsibility at some point.
0: Well, I think ultimate responsibility always goes organization he is for all intents and purposes the head of the organization um and i think what you have to look at here keith is and i, I hearken back to what i said about Brendan Shanahan when he came to the maple leafs in the in the president's role is that you have to have a team that's in contention in order to win Leafs, in the last five years last six years really there have been a team that's been in contention all right so what's the next step that they have to take so let's not worry about being in contention how do you become a champion that's the greatest step in any sports team's progression so that we are contenders no question about that we're going to be contenders because of the nucleus of players they have because of the depth in the organization they've built they're not going to take a step back they just they're just not built that way I mean they look anything can happen in the world of sports you have to play the games I get that but you're not going all of a sudden team. Not this Maple Easton. Not the way it's built. Not with the talent it has at its disposal. Not with the resources they have. Not with the direction they're in. But where they have to get to is that championship level. So that's the next step. And you can't take that next step from just being okay. You have to be a... Con- that's where they are. So I'm not, I'm not so certain that a one-year window is there for Brendan Shanahan. I think it's got to be longer than that. Because he has delivered... To a great extent, on what he promised, making this team a contender. All right, mission accomplished. Let's take that next step now. One or two year thing. It's got to be a longer term than that. So has he done enough to allow himself to have that latitude with the board? Because the board is going to be the ultimate arbitrator of his arbiter of his fate. So ultimately, if they don't, let's say they don't want but they have another level of success. Does it look like they're moving forward? Is that enough for the board to say, Brendan Shanahan, you're on the path to doing what we want, and that's get to the Stanley Cup? Or is it like, you know what, it's 10 years. It'll be 10 full years after next season, and we haven't seen what we want to see? I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. I think you're kind of right. He is the next one on the... We're in the spotlight now because of what's happened of late with Kyle Dubas and the transition phase we're going through with the Leafs. But I think he's got a bit more of a longer runway than the Because winning that Stanley Cup is not easy, man. As anyone can tell you, there are teams that are great and don't get the job done. There are teams that look like they're not great, Florida Panthers, and they're rolling through the playoffs. So you just never know from year to year, but you have to be in position to contend where the Leafs are, and is, is that enough for Brendan Shanahan to keep building and making this organization the organization that everyone wants to see, and that's a Stanley Cup champion down the road? I don't know if one year is going to change that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, ultimately, I think one of the... Every team, you know, like, say, in the NFL, the other guys get paid, too, and I think that we tend to yeah. we tend to forget... <laughs> you know, that a team like Florida, yeah. uh, you know, they, these guys were great last season, you know, they made major changes on the ice. And they didn't until like the last month and a half of the season start playing like the President's Cup winners, the President Trophy winners of the year before. So, I mean, you know, it, it all, it all, it all depends on what you view as another level of success as you mentioned, and I don't know what that is. Is an okay? We get to the playoffs again, and now we win two rounds. Is that enough? I mean, you know, for a guy like for for a guy like Brendan but is, that, is that two
0: two enough? Is that judgment. enough for what to keep his to keep his
1: position? Not to keep his position, but is that enough to be judged as another level of success? Because ultimately, all I'm hearing is the Leafs' success for them is winning the cup. So if you don't win the cup, but, you know, you take another step, I mean, I think, you know, ultimately, I think before next season, the moves Shanahan and the incoming GM either buy them time um, and obviously saying that the leagues don't totally fall apart. But, you know, if he gets a GM in here who makes the hard moves and, you know, even if the moves don't result in a cup, then I think that GM and look at these moves and say, hey, these are the changes that we made. And we made some tough changes, you know. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping for Shanahan, the board doesn't wake up. The guys on the board don't wake up one night and say, hey, you know what? We we're going to bring Brendan back, but we decided, we decided we're decided we not going to bring Brendan back. I mean, i evaluated on his hire. Uh, For GM and also, yeah, the season long saga that is the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, that's how I think he'll be evaluated. Yeah. But you know what? It's not I'm not really it's not really that interesting to me where, where Brendan Shanahan goes, but ultimately of the Leafs. I mean, I'm not a Leafs fan, but I do recognize that your your marquee franchises winning every once in a while is good for the league. Obviously, it's good for the city. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. But you know, the thing is, Keith, it ain't every once in a while. It's like never in a while. Six years. Win one a a decade.
1: uh, Win one every two decades. Yeah,
0: win one every century. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Yeah. One every century. I'll be good with that. Win one this century, preferably before I'm gone. But, uh, you know, Keith, the whole thing is uh, how much faith do you put in in terms of growth with this team. And I gotta tell you, I have a certain level of commitment to this team because of uh, the growth I've seen, but there has to be more, man. You can't walk into the playoffs with the talent that the Leafs have at their disposal and not the ultimate reward. Because that's the payoff that we as fans want. We've invested in this team since whenever for each and every one of the fans that are out there. But that investment has not paid off. Everybody wants to see a championship. That's why we watch sports. We wanna see a winner. We want to see a winner. Being just good enough is not good enough anymore. And the Leafs are good enough, but that's not what we want. We want better than that. And how do we get there? So yes, let's get a GM in here that's going to get into the Leaf philosophy, the way of doing things, so that the, the trajectory that we're on leads us to that championship level let's get to that level and then we can say okay brendan shanahan you've done your job keep on going but i just don't know keith if that's a one-year thing or if that's a couple years you never know because the other team has a say the other teams have a say there are upstarts every year sure. we know that so it's kind of an amorphous thing that I'm talking about, but you have to see the progression and understand that yes, there is a there is a goal here and it's within sight. And you have to believe that have that belief with this team. I'll tell you what gives me that belief is the fact that Austin Matthews has made it clear that he wants to come back. I don't think that stance is incumbent upon Dubis anymore. I, I'd like to think it's not, but we don't know. So if you can still have an Austin Matthews pieces in around him, which is obviously going to change, has to change because that hasn't worked yet, I think you have a shot, more than a shot. And, there are, you know, the Leafs have done a good job of loading up on, on good young prospects too. So, yeah, let's see what happens and what direction they take. And it all starts all over again. I just think that they're starting from a good level. But let's get to the next level.
1: Yeah, well, it was a shocking story, man. It was a shocking um, turn of events, even though, you know, everybody knew that the Leafs had to make changes. Just, I guess, the way it was a big was a big shock, you know? So, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? A shock to the system is never a bad thing, which I think is a wonderful way to transition to our other off-field big story. Um talk about a shock to the system i don't know if it's shocking the be on display by memphis grizzly superstar point guard john morant once again getting caught with waving a gun on social media and letting the world see the behavior that has brought him into just the wrong kind of spotlight for a player and trying to make his way in the nba um You know, all I can say about this, Keith, is it's a choice. John Morant is making a choice, and his choices are not good. They're leading him down a wrong path, and he's going to pay the ultimate price for this in terms of NBA is going to jump on him pretty hard. Um, We've already seen Nike pull his shoe off their website. They haven't pulled him out of the stores yet, but I think they're waiting to see what the NBA does. But based on his past indiscretions and his behaviors, the NBA really doesn't have much of a choice here, but to hit him pretty hard. And how many ever games? It's going to be impactful.
1: Well, one of the things is before the uh, draft lottery, when they were interviewing uh, on Inside the NBA, when they were interviewing Adam Silver. Man, I don't think I've ever seen a guy, ga- a, 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 a commissioner, express disappointment. At, you know, disappointment. Yeah. Um, You know, and the fact that, you know, he said he sat face to face with Ja. Ja said all the right things. Um, But, you know, and then what is it? Eight weeks later, um, you know, he's there again. potentially even in a worse situation. Obviously, it's a worse situation because, I mean, it's, you know, it's after he's already been warned. It's after he's already went to counseling. It's also it's after he, you know, Joss said the right things. I'm not a big fan of the right things because I think in you know, it's it's damage control first and foremost. I mean, he came out again and said, you know, "Hey, I take responsibility." But what the heck does that mean, Brian? I take responsibility. <laughs> so what? Does that just uh, you know, is that like saying a Hail Mary? You know, like uh, okay. Yeah, it's, it, it's- Solution. Wipes away. There's no absolution. Yeah, wipes away your sins. Yeah. I mean, I, funny enough, no. Brian, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I've got a 14 year old son who's very into basketball, wanted the John Morant shoes as soon as they came out. And I asked him, you know, hey, is any sort of um, situation? Am I not getting this right? You as a 14 year old and you look at this John ja Morant thing, is there something I'm missing? And he just said, no, I think it's stupid. <laughs> There's a guy who loves John ja Morant,
0: you know? Yeah, well, Keith, I think he used the very It is stupid what John ja Morant has done. It's because he chose to do this. No one said here, hang onto this gun, and then when I put the camera on you, just wave it around. No, he did that on his own accord. That is a stupid choice. That is a thoughtless choice. That's a reckless choice. Kind of thing you do if you don't really care about what's going to happen to you in the future. And that's what we're talking about here because this is a guy who is a $200 million NBA player with the potential to make an untold fortune in not only playing basketball, being the face of a league, being the face of a massive shoe corporation, this is the guy they were building movements around. This is a guy who was in position to take his team to a championship level. And not just in the future, but in the now. That's how good the Memphis Grizzlies are with John Morant. Now was brought on the question because he made a stupid choice. And it was his choice. So yeah, words, they're not going to absolve you of what you did. You did that. You chose to do that. So now the league has no choice but to come down on him and come down down on him. Here's the thing, Keith. Maybe this is what needs to happen because what do these young people understand in this day and age? Pocketbook, wallet, bank account, bling. This is going to cost him half a season's salary if he gets a 40-game suspension. That is not an insignificant which you cannot recoup. This is going to cost him endorsement money from Nike. And his endorsement package with Nike is significant. You don't brand a shoe after an athlete without putting some big money attached to it. In the tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of potential earning. That is in jeopardy now because he chose to do something stupid. So if you want to hit John Morant and make him change his behavior, make him recognize his behavior for what it is, Making stupid choices, hit him in the pocketbook, which is about to happen. That's the ultimate hammer. Make him understand. Maybe this will get through his 23-year-old head and say, I'm in a position to change the life of not only myself, but my people around me and the people around them forever. All of that is in jeopardy, now because I made a stupid choice. Will this be the thing that wakes him up?
1: And we'll tell. Yeah. You know what? It's he's young enough that he can rebound from making stupid choices. Um, But the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, I you know, they've already gotten rid of, you know, Dylan Brooks. Some people say for his on court antics, um, they obviously had numerous. Uh, players only meetings that we found out about just basically trying to tell the guys to like, when you're on the road, man, this is a, this is a business. This is a professional atmosphere and and we're here to take care of job done and take care of business. So, I mean, I think the whole organization obviously was being built around John Morant and is built around John Morant. Uh, You know, this, this was a team that could have, you know, won the West if, uh, you know, not through injuries and, and suspensions. So, you know, I, I think the disappointment, I go back to it, that I saw uh, on Adam Silver's face was kind of like, you know, I've groomed this kid. The league puts attention into its stars. Um, I mean, you know, he's basically one of the flag bearers for this generation of flag bearers is you're looking, you know, LeBron's 38, Chris Paul's 37, you know, the beard is like 34, you know, uh, Durant's 35. So, you know, uh, Steph is 35. So he's, he's a different generation and, you know, for him stand understand this, you and I talked about this weeks ago, would it not behave him and his team to go to someone like Steph to go to KD to go to LeBron and say, how did you manage all of these pressures? I mean, you know, Steph had a father who was in the league. From all I can see is, you know, John Morant had a middle-class upbringing. Kevin Durant did not have that. LeBron James did not have that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You You never have heard of these guys hanging with their boys and waving guns. What you hear is these guys have. The circle of guys that they hang out with. They did not abandon them. So, you know, I understand the whole, yeah, I gotta keep my street cred and props, but John Morant is not a street kid. And he's and he instead of yeah. instead of elevating the guys around him, because the guy in the viral uh, Instagram live video uh, with him this last time is his supposed best friend, right? That he grew up with. So instead of who's been banned from NBA arenas. I didn't, I didn't know that actually uh, um, before, but he'd been banned from NBA arenas. Elevating this guy, you know, elevating your good friends, John Morant is clearly, you know, sinking into following these guys into what that they feel they need to do to be, to have some sort of rep out there. But you know what? Now, I'm wondering, this guy's going to be out of the league for at least, I think you're correct, for at least half a season. What does he do during that half a season out of the league, out of structure? Are we going to see more incidents popping up? And given his immediate and the way he's handled himself, I think who knows what's going to happen in this. This guy, you're correct, he could flush a career down the drain. Now we've seen in other sports and in the NBA, young guys have gotten a third, fourth, fifth chance if they are wonderfully talented, which Ja Ja Morant is. So, I mean, I I think that, you know, the fact that Adam, Adam Silver said, I need to send him a message, but also the league a message It didn't mean it's franchises, it's owners or it's teams. He means the young players. He's going to send Ja a message and it's going to be a tough message. And it also, obviously it affects the Grizzlies who, you know, ended up in second place in the West. And I mean, they were on the ascent as one of the young teams. Now, two starters are gone for at least half the year. And, uh, you know, it's going to affect that franchise, which, you know, it's not the strongest market in Memphis. And here you had a marquee guy. And now, you know, you're flushing that for at least at least a minimum of half a season.
0: Yeah. And and another factor that is. Is the reaction across the NBA spectrum talking, you know, players, coaches, owners, agents, the whole NBA milieu. Uh, you know, weighing in from various points and parts. And the thing is, this this behavior exhibited again by John Morant taints everybody in the NBA. You know, so, the associations made now are, oh, you play in that same league as that guy who waves a gun around all the time. Hmm, that makes you circumspect. Oh, you're you're an NBA agent. Wow, do you have represent guys like that? The whole tendril of situations that has far-reaching consequences in terms of marketing, in terms of perception, in terms of building your league. If a guy who is one of the faces of the league, there's no question about it, he's been positioned as that for the last couple of years, that play on the court, that now becomes the image that people first respond to when they see NBA. Oh, what's the top thing? John Morant. What does John Morant do? Well, he likes to flash a gun mm-hmm. wherever he is. Not a good association, particularly for a league that prides itself on its social content. That's a massive thing for the NBA and the NBA PA. How do you support a player who's constantly drawing you into the mud, which is what it looks like John Morant is doing? So he's got, he is at a crossroads, a massive crossroads for himself. And he's going to have, looks like, plenty of time. Do I go this way or do I go that way? Because the league can't allow him to continue on the path he's on. I know there's a lot of things. We're talking about a lot of different paths here in terms of all these uh, off-field and off-ice questions. But, you know, the path is, is a journey that these athletes are on. And the journey that John Morant has set himself on is only leading to a bad place. And he's taken the league with him because of his stature as one of the great players, great young players in the league. And for my money, Keith, you know, at 23, hundreds of millions of dollars all of a sudden thrust upon you. You now are the primary focus for your family. You're the primary focus for your organization. You're the primary focus for the entire league in many ways. That's a lot of weight to carry. But as you pointed out, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, players like that have been able to take that pressure to deal with that coming from way worse circumstances than John Morant did, and find a way to have that enhance their stature, not weigh them down. So yeah, maybe John Morant needs to lean on some of these more experienced But does his character allow him to do that? Well, if it doesn't, change your character. Because if you don't, the NBA is not for you.
1: You know, um, it's crazy. I I was just, I looked at uh, Draymond Green's, um, and he kind of, you know, enforced what I said about Adam Silver, is that Adam Silver (laughs) looked crushed. Um, and he, uh, Jerry Mon Green said it. Well, why wouldn't he be? Oh, yeah. He said he's, why wouldn't he he's be? a player's coach, uh, coach, commissioner, and he really wants to succeed, it. not just because it makes his league succeed, but apparently that's just the kind of guy he is. He wants these young guys to succeed. I mean, John ja Morant, he said, you know, part of what he did the first time is the way he handles pressure handle stress does he not think this incident this second gun incident has just not like it's put in the pressure on him on into overdrive man you know like now he's going to feel pressure now he's going to be scrutinized everything he does on and off now is going to be scrutinized if he has a bad game and a big game Brian, People are going to be speculating, when well, is this guy out 4 or 5 a.m. at night, partying it up with his boys, drinking, doing all, whatever other behavior comes on. He's just magnified the pressure on himself, you know? And one of the things that Draymond said, which I don't understand, and, you know, being from a certain generation, is why the need to be on Instagram Live with all, you know, with all of the bad behavior, is it that much of a need to be out there? I mean, I, I've got, you know, I have teenagers. And I mean, and sometimes I shake my head. At, why do you need to throw all of your business into the street, <laughs> as we used to say? And it's like, you know what? If Instagram Live was not involved, he would have gotten away with, you know, waving a gun in a moving car and, You know, listening to whatever he was listening to, it's not the music, but I can understand, you know, you're going off. It's just you and your friend in the car, but you need to put it on Instagram live uh, to obviously broadcast it to the world because I'm sure millions of people following him on Instagram. You know, so
0: yeah. And you know what, Keith, to me. let me sort of no, 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 interrupt you, but there is <laughs> it's crazy a crazy to me. Oh, OK, well, it was a good rant. <laughs> I, I fully I fully agree with your rant. There's a bigger issue at hand here as well for John Morant, and it's the gun issue in America. You know what? Go out and do what you want. You're a young man. Live your life. But why do you have to introduce a gun into the equation? Nobody was threatening this man. Even if they were, why do you have to have a gun? Because America is a gun culture. The fascination with weaponry is as American as Apple. So why is this guy choosing, given the fact that he's a young black man in America, why is he choosing to exhibit this type of behavior? And how do you modify that going forward? You know, this is... I come back to this. It's a choice he's making. So how do you make this guy a just aren't that great? In fact, they're downright bad. Is that he needs to get some counseling? Because this man obviously doesn't listen to advice from anybody. He sat in front of the commissioner and just spouted words that were backed up by the improper action. He's obviously talked to his father. but just words backed up by inappropriate action. So what does this guy need to do? What does he need to hear? Who does he need to talk to? How does he need to change to stop with this destructive behavior? Because there's no question that the culture has gotten deep into this guy's psyche. Why is he walking around waving a gun while he's listening to some, to some tunes? That's not appropriate behavior. That's that's not something that anybody wants to see or should be doing. Hell, celebrate your life times. Get into the tunes, man. Why do you have to have a gun in there? Why is the gun part of his life? What is it about his life that he thinks necessitates walking around with a deadly weapon and brandishing it whenever that's what has to be determined here and I'm not sure what steps he has to take to figure this out whether it's counseling whether it's understanding that he's jeopardizing an incredible future but something obviously has to happen for this man to realize not the path he needs to be on guns are not the right way forward for him basketball is He's gotten a chance to change a life of himself and everyone around him. Why squander that? All because of your fascination with a gun. That's the problem.
1: I, I quickly, I looked up, Ja Morant has 9.4 million followers on Instagram. I'm going to imagine yep. it's not guys my age and your age following Ja Morant. I'm going to say that most of those 9.4 million followers are, you know, most of them Mm -hmm. are kids. So, I mean, that's the thing with this, with social media, you've got all of the reach, but none of the responsibility. And, you know, put all this irresponsible behavior out there and you have that Ja Morant at 23, I'm sure his best friend is 23 as well, you know, you guys are broadcasting this unfiltered out to guys who are 12, who are 14, you know, who are 11, you know, and I know they're not thinking this, they're just out there, but, you know, this is, this is, to me, 9.4 million followers, and they're not following you because you got good braids, John Morant. They're following you because you're an NBA player, and you're a wonderful player, crazy athleticism. As a point guard, I find a very smart player and decision maker, but those decisions and, and brains are not off the court, off the floor, Brian. You know, yeah. point guards are generally, yeah. you know, the smartest guy on your team. You know, the guy who makes the decisions was on every team. You know, many of the guys mm-hmm. that played play point guard, uh, you know, for me coming up in basketball, playing basketball, are successful in other walks of life because they take, they take, they took, took those decision making skills and use them. John ja Morant is definitely uh that. And, you know, the 23-year-old excuse, man, I mean, I don't think that that's much of an excuse now. You're an adult. You're fully an adult at 23. Uh, the millions of dollars you have enable you to do anything. So maybe you've got to look further afield than the and, and do some important things in your career. One thing I was going to just mention to you, I looked at the Instagram followers mm-hmm. of the top guys in the NBA, and this is why Ja Morant is important. I'm not going to say their numbers, but I'll say them. LeBron, Steph, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie, KD, Harden, CP3. Those are the top eight guys or seven guys. Then comes yep. Ja Morant. All of those guys are older veteran players. John Morant's importance to me just by looking at that list is magnified because there's no, I don't see any other young guys on that list. If I went a little further down the list, more older veteran players. So his importance in using Instagram, even use Instagram as a tool, man. You know, you're letting Instagram live use. I'm not saying that the Instagram live. Uh, portion of this was a real problem the real problem is waving the gun around but th- yeah. these guys are using instagram to benefit them you're using it to play the fool and and, and you've got to realize that you know so it's just a little aside but it's just showing me the importance of jaw morant in this league to a company like nike i'm sure nike was well aware of this guy's following when they signed him to a deal. So, I mean, and decided to create signature shoe around him. You no, know, Jaw, I mean, you know, it's two strikes to go to another sport, right? Two strikes, my friend, and you know, you are 0 and 2. You know? You're not 3 and 2, you're O and 2. Cuz you haven't done anything in this league yet, really. You know? So you're O and 2. Not really. No. So you're O and not 2. Not really. Man. Say any more about yeah. it, Brian? <laughs> I'm done. No,
0: there isn't really a whole lot more to say. Uh, I guess what we're waiting for now is to find out just exactly what type of punishment the league is going to need out to John Morant, and um, once we find that out, we'll know hopefully what course of action he's going to take to behavior if he even does. Because as we've seen prior to this, it's been a lot of lip service, and we all know one thing, Keith. Actions speak louder than words. All right, so this has been a off the field of endeavor version of the puck and hoop podcast with episode twenty-eight. Pretty quick because there's a whole lot of playoff action that we need to talk about. Lakers are close to being exterminated in the uh, NBA playoffs. Definitely got to get into that. The Florida Panthers just are writing a one heck of a story in these playoffs. Got to get into that. All that and more. Up on episode 28. Don't you dare miss it. And we're out.
1: If you're listening to this announcement, you've made it to the end of another TIYP Narrowcast. The opinions, views, and statements you've heard on are solely those of the host, guests, and their sources. The purpose of the fucking Hoop Narrowcast is to entertain and inform our listeners, followers, and subscribers, and to help them form their own opinions. Thanks for listening.